Ready to boost sales and grow your business without the BS? Welcome to the Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be sharing actionable tips across marketing, sales, and growth without the BS to help you skyrocket your business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. Delighted to be joined by Nicholas Scalise today. Nicholas is the founder over at growthmarketer.co and he's the host of a top-rated growth and marketing podcast called Growth Marketing Toolbox. Nicholas, a very warm welcome, sir. How's it going, my friend? What's up, Sam? Great to be here. Excited to chat, man. And we're going to be talking all about landing page secrets. So how business owners... How marketers can skyrocket their conversions, get those juicy leads, get those juicy sales flowing when it comes to their landing page. But first of all, Nicholas, why do we actually need a landing page? What, what's so good about it? Why can't we just send everyone to our website? Yeah, I, you know, and most businesses do send most of their traffic to their website, usually to their homepage. And that's where the problems are. Uh, Homepages are not really meant to get people to take action. Homepages are, uh, the way I like to think about it is a homepage is meant to ask a question to the visitor of what do you want to do? Do you want to learn about our services or check out our blog or get in contact with us or an endless number of other things, right? There's so many different things you can do on the typical business homepage or even on, a, on an e-commerce homepage. Um, and they're not really focused in on getting people to take action. Uh, and so landing pages come along and they try to solve that problem because a landing page is built for a specific audience and it's usually built with a specific offer or for a specific right. campaign in mind. And it really helps people take one clearly defined action. So it's those three things together, um, having that specific offer, having that specific audience that you're speaking to, and then having that one clearly defined action. And when you put all that together on a really nice, well-designed landing page, that's when you're going to see those sky, uh, those skyrocketing conversions, as you mentioned. Got it. And we'll, we'll dig into those, those three top tips that you've got to share sure. with us very shortly. But before we do... So just to add on to to the point made there, Nicholas, so rather than perhaps directing people to a full website, and I'm sure many of us as business owners, marketers may have several services or several products that we offer on that site, is it that we're really trying to hone in on one specific offer? Um, Is it it to avoid confusing people, to add clarity, or is there a few other things to, to bear in mind? Yeah, you got it exactly right. Clarity is super important. And one of the the beautiful things about a a well-designed landing page is that you can get your message through to the visitor in a very clear and concise way. Uh, There's a a great book I love uh, called uh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And he likes to say, if you confuse, you lose. And clarity, I think we need to take clarity very, very seriously, because if you don't have clear messaging, and this also applies to your your website, even if we're Mm. talking just about your overall messaging. If you don't have clear messaging, what you're doing is you're creating cognitive load and you're creating friction in the mind of the visitor and they're just not gonna want to take action. They're not gonna wanna continue. So your job as a marketer, as a conversion optimizer is to reduce that friction, reduce that cognitive load and you do that by having clear and concise messaging. 
if you confuse, you lose. That's probably yeah. one of my favorite sayings in, across <laughs> websites and marketing. And, and just like you mentioned, um, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. I love that book. Great man. book. I've, yeah. I've, I've read it a couple of times where I say read. I, I tend to do audio books because I'm yeah. a very, very slow reader. But yeah, I urge anyone that's that's wanting to up their website or marketing game just to get marketing basics. I mean, even if you're a senior level marketer, this is going to send you a heck of a lot of juicy tips in that book. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a really, really good recommendation, Nicholas. Cool. Um, and just before we get into these tips, I want to take a slightly controversial approach because I've seen some great landing pages in my time. And on the flip side, I've seen some terrible, truly awful oh, yeah. ones that um, people are spending hundreds, if not thousands of yeah. dollars, pounds yeah. driving people to. And I'm thinking, well, this landing page doesn't really tell me what it's offering. It's not mm-hmm. that easy for me to get in touch with a lot of other things that you can point out shortly, Nicholas. So why do so many landing pages suck, first of all? <laughs> uh, and, you know, I've seen some landing pages that I would say suck, but they still convert really well because right. the most important thing on your landing page is not the design. It's it's really, in my opinion, not even the messaging. It's the offer. What is the offer, right? If, if I'm going to give away a Ferrari, just as a crazy example, um, and I have a really ugly landing page with 50 different form fields, but you know if you fill that form out, and you get through it, you're going to get a free Ferrari, right? You're going to do it no matter what, because the offer is so good. So that's why you really have to start with a great, compelling offer. uh, Because we've had clients where, you know, we've redesigned the page, and it looks beautiful, and it's responsive, and it's mobile optimized, and it's just stunningly well designed. But the offer sucks, and it just doesn't convert. So um, you know, the most important thing is to have a really good offer. I see a lot of pages that um, don't have a good offer and they're not well designed. And so that's like sort of the worst case scenario. But I've also seen pages that are ugly that have a great offer and they convert well. So start there. But really to get to the heart of your question, why do so many pages suck? I think it comes down to, to two things. They're not built with a framework in mind. And when it comes to a framework, there's really two sides of that. There's uh, the framework for building the page, it's not built with like a a, a system. And we can right. get into some of the, the systems that we use to build pages. And also, it's not built with a framework for testing, because a lot of the magic happens, as you know, uh, not when the page is, is built, but when you're beginning testing the page using A-B testing, multivariate testing. Um, there's a whole bunch of new uh, artificial intelligence-driven testing. And the testing is really where you're going to see the the most results if you do that type of on, you know, on-page uh, iterative testing. Interesting. Interesting. I like, I like the analogy with the Ferrari. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so having a spicy offer, having an offer that really stands out, yeah. sounds like it could be more important than and even having a killer design, having awesome content, making it kind of really easy for people to get in touch and, and do everything. So that's, would you say that is the most important thing, the actual offering itself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying you should ignore the design. You should really try to have that perfect combination of great design, great usability, a great offer, simple messaging. Um, and when you have all of that firing on all cylinders, that's where the magic really happens. And in most cases, it's it's hard to have a really good offer, especially I know a lot of uh, folks watching and listening are um, working at agencies, right? And so a lot of times we as the folks at agencies don't have control over what the offer is. And so we're sort of just at the mercy of what the client wants to offer. Sometimes we can give some feedback, but a lot of times we're constrained with what we can offer and how we can position it. Um, and so you sort of have to leverage those other elements to make up for an offer that might not be ideal. 
Got it, man. All right. Well, we've beaten about the bush enough. Let's let's get into these tips. Let's talk about the framework. Let's talk about the plan that we need to, to implement to to get a landing page that's that's ultimately going to drive those conversions and, and help us grow our business. Yeah. So I'd say the the biggest um, thing is when people start learning about landing pages. Uh, they might Google what elements go on a landing page or what makes up a good landing page. And what you're going to see if you Google that and you look at Google Images, for instance, you're going to see a bunch of graphics that show you elements. Um, your page should have a headline. It should have a call to action. It should have a uh, a button. It should have a form. And it's like sort of like this Lego building block approach. And that's how a lot of people learn. That's how I learned about landing pages. It was this collection of different elements. And what I want people to do is sort of change the way they think about it and don't focus on the elements, focus on the questions that you need to answer for the landing page visitor. So the biggest takeaway probably from this entire episode uh, is don't focus on the elements that go into the landing page. Focus on the questions that you're going to answer for the visitor. For instance, when someone visits a landing page, one of the first things they're going to think about subconsciously is um, what is the big idea here? What is going on? What is this page about? Right, And that goes back to what we talked about with clarity. You want to create clear and compelling messaging, and you want to hook someone very quickly with that, with that headline. So sure, we could say you need a headline on the page, but I think it's more important to say we need something on the page that's going to capture someone's attention right away and give them that big idea in a clear and concise way. And so you know, by thinking about the questions people have and then trying to answer them on page, that I think is uh, sort of the tectonic shift in thinking that needs to take place in order to create really high converting and compelling landing pages. Yeah, 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 and that, that all makes sense, Nicholas. And to dive into that in a bit more detail, I think that could be compared, like you said, you could just Google what makes a great landing page mm-hmm. and you could just, like you say, whether that's putting a, a headline, putting images, putting like a promo video, having call to actions, just these, these features that you can mm-hmm. stack up but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. It's going to convert. It's going to get you the results you need. Um, so I like the point about answering questions that your visitors may have. What does that actually look like? And feel free to use the carry on with the, the Ferrari example <laughs> or, or any other examples that might kind of get make this a bit more tangible for both myself and the audience in terms of how we could actually lay that out if we are thinking about starting our own landing page. Yeah, so we actually put a lot of research into what are the questions you need to answer for the common visitor, right? It's always going to be different. There's always fringe cases. But over the last, I've been doing this for 11 years, uh, really landing pages have been focusing on for about seven years. And I've identified about seven questions that you need to answer uh, to make that landing page have the best chance of converting. So number one is what we just talked about, the clarity question of do I quickly understand the big idea? I'll go through the other ones real quick and then we could dive into some. Uh, But the second question is um, a relevance question. Can it help me? People wanna know what's in it for me, right? Maybe you've heard the phrase with them, what's in it for me? Um, So you gotta really show people how is this page or how is this offer or how is this product relevant to me specifically? The third question is, do I like it? And this talks about affinity. We call it the affinity question because it talks about design. Is the page visually appealing? If it looks ugly right away, you're going to have some type of negative connotation with the brand. Um, So that's why that one's really important to answer subconsciously. The fourth question is the influence question. Has it helped others? And this is probably the most obvious because you need to have social proof on your landing page to show that your product or service or company has helped others. Uh, The fifth question is the trust question. Do I trust it? 
pretty self-explanatory, but you need to have a high degree of trust on your page or else people aren't going to buy anything from you. Uh, the sixth question is, is there something special about it? What's the unique advantage? Because people are comparing you against all these different options. And remember, they also have the option to do nothing, right? It's not you or the competitor. It's you, the competitor, or maybe people don't want to do anything at all. So you need to show how is um, your product or service really unique and then the last question is, how can I take action now? It's the action question. I've seen so many pages that hit on all of these other six points. And then when it comes time to get someone to take action, the, the button is hidden on the bottom or the form is really complex and confusing. So you have to make it very easy for people to take action. So if you can answer those seven questions, uh, we call that the seven question landing page framework. That's really what's going to give you the best starting point to launch a page uh, that has the best chance of converting. That's awesome. And I feel like we could probably end the podcast on that. But <laughs> we, we won't because I've got plenty of questions around each sure. point. Um, so we've, we've kind of touched on the clarity. Maybe we could dive into that in a bit de in a bit more detail because I see what I feel. Um, and I've, I've droned on about this in previous episodes when talking about messaging, um, talking about clear messaging. For example, I'll, I'll use our own company, WebChoice, as an example. Mm -hmm. We used to, in our main headlines, bang on about how many awards we've won, why we're the best digital <laughs> we, marketing we, we. agency. Yeah. yeah, basically make it all about us. Then I realized no one gives a shit about us. Right. What they care about is how we can help them solve their problem. Um, so since then, we've we basically geared it to what's in it for the audience, mm -hmm. as, as we'll get into in a sec. And we, we specifically changed it to we help businesses grow with SEO, web design, and web development services. Um, so actually talking about what we offer. But is there a... Maybe you've got a framework, maybe you've, you've not. Is there a, something we should think about, Nicholas, when we're actually doing that ha um, headline or that clear messaging to make sure it's clear what we offer and we're not just bigging ourselves up, we're more making it about our customers? Is there a way that we can think about how to do that in our offer, whether that's our yeah. landing page or homepage? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different approaches. Uh, a lot of copywriters will say you should start with a, a, a copywriting framework. That's a whole other discussion that we could certainly yeah. do. Uh, but there's so many good copywriting frameworks, but unfortunately, a lot of them kind of feel um, very formal and very, I don't know, it's just like you could tell it's a framework. So what I prefer to do is really start with the research and try to get what's called voice of customer data. And so um, go look at what previous customers have said or previous leads in your pipeline have said. Look at testimonials. Uh, a really good source of data is if you have inbound calls and people are calling up on the phone, uh, what right. are the first questions that they're asking? Because those are the things that are top of mind. And so that you can then take all that data and it, you know it's a lot of work. You gotta mine all that data and make sense of it. But from that data, you're going to find specific phrases that come up again and again that are top of mind. And sometimes those phrases are the very best phrases that you should then inject into your headline and your subheadline because that's what your customer is saying. So bottom line is whenever you have the opportunity to really use the, the words and the phrases from your target audience, go with that rather than just trying to come up with something on your own. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's that's really good. So moving forward to the relevant step, is that similar to what we've touched on already in terms of making it about the customer and what's exactly. in it for them? Or is there a bit more to it? 
Yeah. So can it specifically help me? Like what is in it for me versus the, just the average person, or just like you said, you don't want to talk all about you and, and the company. Uh, so steps one and two are definitely tied together. Uh, step one, the clarity question, or the first question is really about showing that big idea quickly. Cause people are going to make a decision about that landing page within the first seven seconds or less. Um, and then that second question, can it specifically help me? The relevance question is really about hammering home, not just the features of what you're offering, but the benefits. Like what is the outcome? Uh, I think digitalmarketer.com has this really good presentation where they talk about state change and how as a marketer, we're trying to take people from a before state which is a yep. less ideal before state to a more ideal after state. And so this is where you really want to think about what's that transformation you're going to help people make um, and how are you going to word it and how are you going to position it in a way where it's really relevant to the outcome that they want to get. You know, people don't want to buy a product. They want to buy what that product is going to do for them. Yep. So focused on, on the end outcome, on the end mm -hmm. results. Gotcha. And the affinity step, so design, <laughs> um, and I know you mentioned, Nicholas, that this needs to obviously look good, look professional. Yeah. Is is there a bit more to it? Should we design it around what we think looks good? Should we try and do it what our customers look good? Do we need to strike a healthy balance or what are your thoughts there? Yeah. And, you know, it, sometimes it can be as simple as adding a logo to your page. There's so many pages that I review that don't have a logo at the top. And it, and it just creates this disconnect between, let's say you see an ad on Facebook with that brand on the Facebook page. And then you go to a page and there's no logo and it's like just disconnected. So it's just a combination of creating something that's holistic to the brand that you want to represent, uh, making sure there's consistency throughout the page, and also talking about things like usability and, um, you know, the text and the, the contrast, little things mm. like, um, are people able to read, uh, let's say you have white text on a black background, or there's not enough contracts, uh, contrast between the text and the background, things like that can really affect someone's um, ability to consume the information, even if they're not consciously thinking about it. And that's going to create sort of this negative uh, perception about the brand and the page, and it's going to be less likely for them to take action. Okay. And are there ways that we could or should be testing these things in terms of making sure it's actually working well, making sure our audience is actually happy with whether it's the design, whether it's the, the other points we've discussed so far and we'll get into, um, and ultimately how we can test if something's working effectively or not. Because ultimately, if we've got a landing page, we're probably going to be wanting to drive some form of traffic to it, whether it is via paid ads, whether it's via social media or our email list, going on podcasts or whatever yeah. it may be. Um, how do we actually test the things working and covering these points well? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of different tests you can run. Um, I like to run what's what are called functional tests very early on. So a functional test is just making sure the page works, that load quickly. That's another thing that can affect affinity. If your page takes seven seconds to load, you've already killed the affinity metric right then and there. So make sure your yep. page loads quick, make sure it's responsive on different devices. So that's another type of functional test. Make sure you're checking across mobile, tablet, uh, desktop, all different types of browsers. And then also just check for usability issues. Is the form, if you have a form on the page, is it easy to navigate and easy to mm. um, you know, fill out? Like little things like that all make up the, the realm of functional testing, which is something you should do before you launch. Uh, because after you launch, really what you should be focused on is A-B testing or multivariate testing where you're testing messaging and different ways of positioning the offer. But you know, having that functional testing figured out early on is uh, really going to help you make everything else a lot easier. Gotcha.
Business Growth Show is sponsored by Vidyard. Tommy was tired of cold calling and emailing his prospects and getting little to no response. He signed up for a free Vidyard account, allowing him to send personalized video emails and messages to his leads and contacts and saw results almost immediately. People loved the personalized approach and the fact he took the time to send a custom video explaining his offer and his solution. And as a result, he stood out from his competitors filled his calendar with quality appointments and smashed his sales targets. Sign up for your free Vidyard account today at vidyard.com forward slash BGS. That's vidyard.com forward slash BGS. The show is also sponsored by Web Choice. Are you tired of hunting for clients? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about WebChoice's unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you? Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Just hammering off the rest of these points. So we've, yeah. we've gone through affinity in terms of influence, in terms of social proof. This is a word I see certainly flying about a lot on social, on LinkedIn, on, on various other channels. Um, and perhaps you could give a, because I kind of know what my definition of it is, but I'd like to hear your your idea of it, Nicholas, um, and kind of why social proof, why getting examples of happy customers is is so important in your your opinion. Yeah, I'd say the easiest analogy I like to think about is let's say you walk by a restaurant and let's assume this is pre-COVID because this is this has changed a lot, obviously, with with COVID. But pre-COVID, if you walked by a restaurant and you looked in the window and you saw that nobody was in there at all, do you want to go in there and, and have lunch? Probably not because it's an empty restaurant. Maybe they're not moving the food. Maybe something's wrong. Uh, but if you walk by that same restaurant pre-COVID and it was uh, I wouldn't say packed, but there was a, a healthy atmosphere in there. There were people enjoying themselves. The tables were full. It looked like a really nice restaurant to to go to. That's what we're talking about here is people don't necessarily want to be the first in line all the time when it comes to buying a product or filling out a form or requesting an ebook or whatever it is you're offering. They want to see if someone else has already gone first and they want to see if it's worked for someone else. So that's why I would say, yeah, don't overcomplicate it. Um, just try to answer that question of has it helped others? And probably the best way to do it is with testimonials yep. and, uh, you know, have that authentic social proof, but don't fake it. Um, try to make it as authentic as possible with headshots and short summaries and, you know, first names and that type of thing to really show that that this product or service or whatever it is you're offering has helped others first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to get into some golden rules when it comes to social proof. In fact, your your analogy is far better than mine. I might have to steal that because my analogy for social proof used to be when you're sending a CV to. Mm -hmm. So if you want, let's say you found a job you really, really wanted. It's like sending your CV and showing off a ch checklist of all your feats. Um, I this is a client we've helped in the past or this is a job we've done. So basically showing off your accolades in yep. years gone by, whereas I really like the, the restaurant analogy because it's so true. If you're walking past the restaurant, you're hungry, there's two stacked against <laughs> you. Together. You're probably going to think, this one's got no one in. Right. It's, it's terrible. This one's got loads Something's of people wrong. and I'm, I'm hungry. Yeah. And that's good. But in fact, they could be exactly the same or the one that's, that's empty could be better. It's just literally a psychology yeah. of it. interesting stuff. So, yeah, you mentioned using testimonials, using reviews for social mm -hmm. proof. You mentioned obviously not faking those. Is there anything more to it? Um, than just adding kind of a, a simple testimonial slider or whatever that may look like 
on our um, on our sites, or is there a bit more we need need to do it until we just start copying and pasting yeah. testimonials across? Um, you know, I'm actually not a fan of sliders, and that goes back to the the affinity question because um, when you have a slider and things are sliding by really quickly, it just creates all this momentum, and it's sometimes difficult to stop and actually read the testimonial, and it creates so much. Like I, I see pages all the time where they have like way too many testimonials, and that's why they need a slider. I would rather see a page with two or three testimonials that are clear, short, easy to read, easy to skim, and that's it. And it gets mm. to the heart. Um, but we also have clients that don't have testimonials. Maybe they're a new business. Um, and that's where we like to use something called statistical social proof, which are, we've all seen it. You've been to a site where it says, uh, trusted by over 15,000 companies, right? So it's just a statistical indication of showing in aggregate how this company or how this uh, product has helped others. So that's another thing. If you don't have testimonials, um, you can mention things like how many years have you been in business or uh, how many people have you helped or, you know, how many courses have you created or whatever. And that's yeah. also uh, going to basically show that social proof, but in a more indirect way. Gotcha. Gotcha. So essentially, if we haven't got those reviews ready, we can just take facts on a business. So exactly. Deliver yeah. this many projects, help right. this many clients. Right built this many frameworks, whatever it may be, that's relevant until we start stacking up those those reviews and we can exactly. put those yep. simple ones there. Gotcha. Okay. And we might have covered this again. So the next point you had was trust. Mm -hmm. So is, is there more to it than just laying down the social proof? Or? Yeah. So, so trust, I like to think of trust as like a triangle uh, with three points. So trust comes down to credibility, reliability, and security. Uh, credibility is uh, ties in closely with social proof. And so a lot of that is already being taken care of if you have the right social proof on the page. But basically, um, you want to make sure people believe what it is you're saying. You want to be credible. With reliability, you want to make sure that um, people understand that you're going to deliver on what you're saying. If I say I'm going to send you a free ebook, you better send me that free ebook and I better believe it. So reliability has to do with your actions of do people trust that you're reliably going to deliver the product or service that you say you are? And the third one is probably the easiest to, to solve, and that's security. Um, so this is right. really important for any type of e-commerce business or any page where you're collecting private information or sensitive uh, credit card information, that type of thing. You want to make sure people feel safe when they're making that transaction. Um, so you want to make sure your page is using a security certificate, and you want to make sure that um, there's, let's say, uh, if you're offering a high-ticket course, that there's some type of money-back guarantee, right? So there's some type of risk removal. Um, security seals can be very helpful here. So trust uh, is really broken down into credibility, reliability, and security, and how you can inject those things onto your landing page. Nice. Got it. Three good tips there. And pushing it forward, advantage, so near, near the end of the, the framework, but is that simply showing how we're better than everyone else, <laughs> or is it is it more against the, the features we provide and kind of the results that they, they, they provide for the end customer, or is, is there a bit more to it than that? Yeah, I would say it's all of that. Uh, it's really just keeping in mind that people are making a choice no matter what they're doing, even if they're choosing inaction, they're still making the choice. So, you know, these days, if you look at how people browse on the web, they're opening multiple tabs. And so if you mm. are selling a vacuum, for instance, they're going to click on the search results and click on the ads for five different things that come up and they're going to compare. And so a good example in the vacuum category is Dyson. Uh, Dyson vacuums. Uh, their vacuums are not that different from everything else, but the way they positioned them was different because they had this uh, cyclonic technology, right? And everyone started saying, wow, what is cyclonic 
technology. It sounds so interesting. And it was just a very unique advantage that they had and the way they positioned it to make it stand out way beyond a regular typical vacuum. So you just have to try to think what is it that's unique about your brand? Maybe it's a product feature. Uh, maybe it's the amount of people you've helped. Um, maybe it's your price point, although you probably should try not to make price your only advantage because um, sure. people are always going to beat you up on price. Uh, but you just want to figure out what is special about your product or service or brand and how can you uh, share that with people. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then finally, action, which I guess <laughs> is the, ultimately the whole part of why we've built the landing page right. in the first yeah. place, why we've spent so much time or money or effort driving people to this landing page because we want them to take action of some sort, whether that is requesting a demo, requesting the ebook, making the purchase. Are there any kind of big yeses and big noes when it comes to getting people to, to take action and kind of implementing call to actions from, from your side of things, Nicholas? Sure, absolutely. So there's a behavior model called the fog behavior model. And basically what it shows is that three things have to converge for people to take action. And so I recommend everyone check it out. Um, BJ Fogg does an excellent job of explaining what the principles are. Um, but basically, you need to have motivation, you need to have a prompt, and you need to have ability. And so just keep that in mind as you're building your calls to action. Make sure people can see them. Make sure they can easily engage with them. And don't make them too complicated. That's really going to help you uh, throughout the entire process. There's a few things around calls to actions, Nicholas, that I've seen. Yep. Um, so something we've tested out at WebChoice for ourselves and, and for some clients in terms of kind of making them different colors mm -hmm. so they stand out on the page in terms of perhaps making them descriptive. So for example, if you're offering a free demo or free ebook, um, rather than just saying, get it now or having on the contact forms like submit to get yeah. your book, you make them explain exactly what you're getting. So exactly. get your free yep. book now That's or huge. get your X, Y, Z now. Um, any any things like that that we should kind of bear in mind or is that that the crux of it really what we've gone through yeah that's super helpful so that's the the micro copy the the button text and things like that the other thing i'd recommend is if you have a form on your page try to test a multi-step form usually those will convert a lot better because it's easier for someone to start taking action with one or two questions rather than if they see a, a form with seven or eight form fields so we've seen situations where we've had as high as 122 percent conversion lift when we just took the same exact landing page and switched from a single of a single form where it had all the form fields on the same page to a multi-step experience and it just skyrocketed the conversions because uh psychologically people are more likely to engage with that form if it looks easier to get started and then once they get started they're more likely to continue that process nice awesome man so we've gone through quite a bit and i'm sure there's a lot of takeaways um that i've certainly taken on board and, and everyone tuning in has in terms of landing page are there any other tips because i know we skipped off the beaten track a bit in terms of in terms of the main three but are there any others that we need to cover before we look to wrap things up yeah you know i tried to keep it simple with that framework you know we put a lot of thought into that framework the seven question landing page framework so it covers everything i say maybe the only thing we didn't mention is the importance of mobile um, right now a lot of people are still focused on building landing pages for a desktop environment and then mm -hmm. they mobile optimize it um, i would suggest everyone flip that thinking it, it takes a lot of work to think mobile first and to build mobile first but that's where the majority of traffic is especially if you're running any type of paid ads or facebook ads um, the majority of your traffic is going to be mobile so you want to put the most effort into that mobile landing page experience good yeah Make, makes perfect sense and to wrap things up nicholas 
So let's say we've we followed all these best practices. We've we've done everything you've said. We've sort of followed the the seven step framework. Um, we've started doing a, a bit of marketing to the to landing page. Perhaps we're doing Facebook ads. Perhaps we're doing Google ads. Perhaps we're doing email lists. Something or maybe something else. Are there any things we should be doing once it's up and running? Once we're once we're firing all this traffic to it, um, are there any tests that we should do ongoing once it's live? to make sure that this landing page is, is working effectively for us? Um, or, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, testing. There's there's so much we could get into with testing. That's like a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother world. But absolutely, you should be doing some type of A-B testing. Um, that's where you're going to be creating a different variant and making one specific change. So you're going to change one variable. Um, things that I recommend to test early on, uh, number one would be the offer. Remember, I said the offer is the most important thing on the page. So you could take the same offer and reposition it or uh, call it something different and test that and see if that converts better or change the offer completely. Other things you could change is the framework of the page. So for instance, going from a single step to a multi-step form, that would be a nice framework A-B test that you could do that we do all the time and it works really well. Um, changing the messaging. Maybe you have messaging that's very corporate for a B2B audience. Uh, maybe you change it to a more conversational um, messaging format, right? A different style. So that's another thing you can test. And then also the final test that isn't really on the page, but has a lot to do with the conversions is your audience. Test different audiences. So we've seen pages that um, convert really well with Facebook traffic, for instance. And then as soon as we run um, Google traffic, it falls apart. So then that sure. tells us we need a completely different page for, um, for Google. So again, like sometimes it's not always the page that's the issue. Sometimes it's the audience or the traffic source. So those are all different things you could try to test, but I always recommend have at least one test uh, in play at all times so you can learn from it. Yeah. And I guess nothing's ever going to work perfect off the bat, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So whilst you could strike lucky and you could <laughs> you get a could. landing page that Sometimes just starts firing all these yeah. leads through, the chances are, like many things in marketing, even sales, it, it doesn't work 100% straight away. Right. So that, right. that makes perfect sense. Understanding what channels you're marketing through, yeah. constantly tweaking, optimizing, and measuring what's going on. Because um, ultimately, that's that's what every business is going to want, right? To, to constantly mm -hmm. up the flow of leads or demo requests or sales, whatever the the end purpose is, the end result that's in focus for this landing page yeah. um, following these best practices. So with that, Nicholas, I want to thank you very much for your time, sir. I really appreciate the chat and enjoyed talking about landing pages today. Please do tell us more about how everyone can learn from you, how we can connect with you, and the best way to get in touch with your good self. Absolutely. Yeah. You could check out growthmarketer.co. That's my uh, newsletter. That's my blog. And you can also download a copy of my landing page checklist. I have over 34 items on the checklist that we run through every single time we launch a new page. You can check it out at growthmarketer.co slash checklist. It's absolutely free. And if you found this episode helpful, I'm sure you'd find the checklist helpful as well. Awesome. We'll put all those links over in the episode notes at businessgrowth.co marketing and with that nicholas I want to thank you once again really appreciate you coming on the show sir awesome it's been a lot of fun thank you so much cheers dude and if you enjoyed the show be sure to follow subscribe to business growth show we interview business leaders each and every week to provide actionable tips across marketing across sales all with the goal to grow your business and grow your revenue and with that we'll catch you on the next episode